Welcome to Light Your Leadership Talks, or Lil Talks. Every week, we bring you informal chats with leaders and leadership experts from around the globe. Your host is Lisa Anna Palmer, author of the international best-selling book, Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. Listen in so that you too can stay informed about the latest wise practices that set great leaders apart. I'd like to begin first by acknowledging that we are all joining in from various Indigenous lands that have been inhabited and cared for by Indigenous people since time immemorial. We are grateful and we acknowledge the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people here in Ottawa area. We also acknowledge with humility and the homelands of the Métis and Inuit and the territories of other First Nations from those places from which you are connecting. So all of us are connecting here from across the continent. So let's be grateful and thankful Mm -hmm. to Indigenous people. So today, our wonderful and amazing guest is a friend and colleague whom I love dearly. Her name is Natalie Blosky, or Dancing Star Sparkles Through Water Woman is her spirit name. Natalie is a pipe carrier of Algonquin Huron ancestry and has been adopted into the Mountain Goat Clan of the Navajo through ceremonialist Ron Yellowman. She's been walking the red road since the 1990s in her spirituality. She has been blessed to sit in ceremony and travel with loving elders from various nations, going through the process of slowly embodying the teachings. So besides being a mother, a wife, soul shaker, and traditional drummer, an amazing friend and colleague, Natalie is brilliant, has a big heart, and has many, many talents that she uses to serve in different ways throughout her lifetime, mostly in the fields of philanthropy, project management, and learning and development. So Natalie works at Indigenous Crown Relations and Northern Affairs Canada and has been deeply involved with implementing the Truth and Reconciliation's Call to Action number 57 on Indigenous Cultural Awareness. Mm -hmm. And I know the impact she's having is not only going to be in the department, it's going to have a ripple effect that goes way beyond that. Natalie recently joined the department's newly formed HR Indigenous Programs Directorate, where she focuses on Indigenous retention and finding ways of integrating Indigenous wise practices in the workplace. Natalie is a servant leader who wears many hats. Over the last several years, she made a huge difference in the lives of many as she worked with passion and diligence as an instrumental part of the ALDI program or the Aboriginal Leadership Development Initiative. Uh, That's where I met Natalie. So I've seen that in action, and she has taken the program to the next level with her commitment, her immense courage to speak truth, her wisdom, and her compassion. Oh, thank you, Miigwech, Lisa. So, Um, so I'm so happy to be with you today, and I'm going to start us off with song this morning. And uh, this is a traditional song of the Anishinaabe. It's a song that's traditionally used at the beginning of a ceremony or gatherings. And so this is a gathering, so we're going to start it in that way. So we're going to honor water today. So you may be familiar with or have seen or are curious about this kind of smudge. And we put some uh, different plants in there and the smoke rises up to creation. Uh, But there's also another way and several ways actually uh, to connect with source, with one, uh, with creation to bring our prayers up. One of them is water. Uh, and so in the honor of water, because water is life, we're going to sing the water song. 
And so I'd like you to imagine. So if you have a drum, feel free to jump in and, and add your beat to it as well. Imagine that we're in a canoe and I'm going to pick you up. <laughs> so imagine the water. Sometimes it's a little slow. There's some bends. Sometimes we've got rapids and then we come back. So you'll see the rhythm of the beat will change as we go. Just feel like hopping on board and we'll all be in the same direction as we move forward. Wichita do ya do ya do ya Wichita do ya do ya hey Wichita do ya do ya do ya Wichita do ya do ya hey Wichita naya hey ya hey ya Wichata naya hey ya hey Wichata naya hey ya hey ya Wichata naya hey ya hey Wichita do ya Thank you. That was amazing. Amazing that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natalie, for that gift. Every time you drum and you sing, it gets me right in the heart. And um, I feel more connected. You know. So, Natalie, I have a couple of questions. And uh, before we begin with the questions, I'd really like to emphasize to everyone that today, you know, the first part we're going to talk about inclusive spirituality. It's not about a specific religion or a specific uh, belief system. It's about all of us connecting with that part of us that connects us to others and which is important for humanity, really, to help us be our best selves at mm -hmm. work, at home, in all aspects of our lives. So that's what we're talking about um, in, in this initial question. So Natalie, what does it mean to integrate spirituality into our everyday work? Right. So when I look at it from a perspective, for example, of an Indigenous person, and, you know, my background is I'm of Algonquin and Huron ancestry. Uh, and I've also been in circles with uh, elders who are Mohawk, uh, Cree. Um, I've been with uh, Inuit elders as well, uh, Lakota, and so forth. And one thing that's really important to know is when we think about Indigenous people, 
there's not one culture, it's many, many cultures. And so many different ways of being and seeing and thinking, um, different practices. One of the things that seems to be really common, and this is connected to spirituality, is to always operate from your center. So to always operate and walk that road in beauty. What that means is that in the workplace, uh, if I'm coming from a place of spirituality, I'm centered and I'm walking forward with the very present. So mindfulness is really important, a way of thinking, of doing and being. And so when you think about thinking, you're looking at the mind. As a leader in the workplace, and leadership is not necessarily attached to a position, it's how you show up. Your mind must be open. Um, when we talk about being, and I think there's more and more of that, a lot of people are reconnecting to that center. And so the way of being, the beingness is connected to the heart. And so as a leader, um, with teams, for example, that are going through COVID. Some of them have to come in. There's a lot of fear, for example. Some of them are at home and going through a lot of conflicting, uh, being pulled in different directions. You know, maybe they have small children. Maybe they have an ailing parent. And, you know, all the chaos that can happen inside a house when you've got, you know, a full house behind you while you're trying to work. There's that fear. There's a lot of mental health that's coming up as well. So your way of being is really important. So a hope and heart um, and also the doing. And so the doing is our will. And as a leader, sometimes we are pulled in different ways. And especially if you're a middle manager, you're often conflicted because the will at senior management level sometimes is very different. You know, there's, there's a walking the talk that falls into um, the doing. And so you must use your will, your volition, your wanting to do things always with an open heart and with an open mind. There is no us and them in real life. And so, you know, sometimes we hear the, you know, senior management has to toe the line. I think being in a spiritual place and showing up that way in the workplace makes it so that kind of line disappears and it's really uh people connection so heart to heart mind to mind and there's a concept often in indigenous culture and i'm sure it's you know reflected in many other cultures as well and this is a basic human way of operating is that we are all in the same circle and when you're in a circle and you're all standing one next to the other in the circle everyone is equal. And what happens is that we operate from a place that is, we are like eye to eye, heart to heart, shoulder to shoulder, and we raise each other. So if you're coming in from a spiritual place, you're actually coming from a place where you want the highest and the best good for everyone that you're working with. As above, so below. And so, you know, your colleagues, staff if you're leading a team senior management there's no difference there's no uh leveling i often think of my friend vishu vishu worked with me at parks canada vishu was on very intimate levels 
of relationship with all kinds of people in the organization from the CEO all the way to, you know, if you're looking at positions and if you're looking at things like demographics and salaries, all that, you know, he befriended everyone, person that was cleaning our desks, our washroom, the people in the cafeteria serving our food. Um, when you're coming from a place of spirituality, hierarchy and all of those fictitious systems that we've built melt. I, I love that, Natalie. And uh, basically what it gets at is we're all one, we're all connected, and we all have the same value as human beings, regardless of our level of responsibility or the hierarchy, right? Yeah, and, and to be abs- able to recognize that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also there's another concept that we can bring in um, that has to do with two-eyed seeing. So two-eyed seeing is you can look at it different ways. Being able to see things in two ways simultaneously gives us the ability to walk in two worlds at all times. So, for example, a more Western way of seeing um, is often when you look at the language, it's around verbs. It's around doing things. It's very action-oriented. When you look at very spiritual way uh, of seeing, and so, for example, uh, Indigenous cultures, the language is very much about this moment. It's about being. And so you can see that there's a difference there between the two. And so being able to be a um, two-eyed seeing person, human being, and we're actually, you know, spirit in a physical form while we're here, that's part of the journey, is our ability to kind of walk and dance in both worlds. This could be, you know, two-eyed seeing could be with an Indigenous culture, but it could also be another different background and spiritual uh, connections. It doesn't have to be just indigenous. Actually, it makes me think of when you're talking about two-eyed seeing, even being able to see the world from other people's perspective, and that leads to compassion and empathy, right? To to be able to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, or at least try to. And and that, of course, is core to being a great leader. So, So Natalie, let's talk a little bit about, let's talk a lot about, because I can listen to it all day. <laughs> I can listen to you speak all day. Uh, if you could share about what Indigenous teachings could help us be better leaders and colleagues as well, right? And yep. if you want to maybe mention the seven grandfather teachings that you've introduced to me, which I love, and, um, and talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. Yeah. And, and I really love the way, Lisa, when you were introduced to the seven grandfather teachings, I remember it was in the restaurant in between meetings on a napkin. <laughs> And, and so Lisa has that ability, uh, clearly, of uh, two-eyed seeing. And um, it translated into the work because the framework that she built for the project we were working on actually is centered on the seven grandfather teachings. And so, so let's talk about the seven grandfather teachings. First of all, there are many, many teachings. Uh, this is not the only one. Um, it is one that has t- kind of gotten some traction, I would say, in the last few decades, it's a teaching that uh, the Anishinaabe, so the Ojibwe, also other Algonquin speakers, um, nations like the Algonquins are also very much in tune with the seven grandfather teachings. And they're just absolutely beautiful. And they really adapt well to the workplace. 
And, you know, Lisa and I often have conversations about, you know, how can we bring this to the public service, for example? Make them the competencies, um, actually. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're, we're women on a mission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about the seven grandfather teachings. So the way I'm going to do it is some of you may have already heard about uh, Indigenous people in the four directions or the medicine wheel. Um, so imagine, if you will, uh, you are the center in a circle. So there's a circle around you and you're dead center. So in the direction of the east, the direction of the east is the direction when we're looking at the seven grandfather teachings, it's humility. So the east for us, if you think about it, the east is where the sun comes up, right? And so that's the birth of a new day. And so if you look at it from your life perspective, that represents your birth. And when you're born, there's that inner fire that's lit up inside yourself as a human being. And so um, with that fire, that inner fire that you keep nurturing every day, it is the beginnings of things. And so our beginnings, our days start with gratitude. If we start our day with gratitude, we are already at a very high level or a high frequency of energy as we enter our day, and we actually are centered. It is proven that when you begin your day with gratitude, you're operating from your center of your being, so your beingness, and you're becoming as well, because it's a journey. You're going to become uh, who you truly are, your soul and your spirit. It's a remembering of who you are. You're not adding to yourself. You're actually removing all the stuff that does not serve. And so humility. And in the workplace, the way that that translates is leveraging and uh, seeing the value in the perspectives and also the expertise of others that you're working with, be they colleagues, be they, for example, someone who uh, you're reporting to, and the people that you're working with in your team or people that you're mentoring, for example. And so by humility, what we're doing is we're really looking at ways to leverage the different talents and expertise of people. I remember one of uh, my amazing managers, she knew that with me, for example, to leverage my talents, I'm a very visual person. And so even though it wasn't necessarily my direct project, she knew that I get energy out of that. So she would have me do all kinds of things um, in a visual way. So humility. We go from the east and now we go to the south. And the south, if you think, remember the east was the birth. So now we are evolving into a new cycle. And the south is your youth. So teenagers, my 14-year-old son. <laughs> and so in your teenage years, it's the time where you develop your listening. So you're listening to others. You're tuning in. You're building your intuition as well. You know, th those gut feelings you have about things or sometimes you're getting messages from, you know, it could be as simple as a cardinal that's coming by and you just kind of pay attention to it. And it's the time in your life where you come up with that big question of who am I? And as a teenager, you know, you're no longer a child. You're not an adult. 
And you need to find some supports in your life. You know, maybe they're a teacher, maybe they're a counselor. Uh, sometimes it's a parent or um, in Indigenous communities, often it's an auntie or an uncle. And so the grandfather teaching in the South is all about courage. And so how does that translate into the workplace? It means that, for example, let's say you're working with a team. So you're able to have very clear group objectives. And so you're, you're not kind of being wishy-washy about what needs to get done. To be courageous means you're able to slice through things and you're able to, you know, direct and there's that vision up ahead. And so that clarity is really important. The other thing also, uh, another way it can translate into the workplace is that you're actually willing to and you're courageous to take on lessons learned and to talk about them. Uh, not everyone is comfortable talking about something that didn't quite, you know, go well or it kind of fell apart. And so um, it takes courage to be able to look at those things and to have a conversation, you know, and make, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position as a leader. When you give yourself permission to be vulnerable, it actually helps those around you to also do the same. So you're walking the talk. And so that's a grandfather teaching about courage. The next direction. So we turn towards the West. Well, you can probably guess by now the West is when we're adults, right? And so, you know, when we look at the East, right across that circle, so we're in the West, but we're turning to the East and we look at it, remember the sun rises. Well, now in the West, the sun sets. And so the setting of the sun is a little bit like, uh, like a death. And if you think about it, there's a death every day at the end of the day. But also in our own lives, in our everyday lives, all the little things that happen during the day, sometimes there's little deaths that happen, you know, the end of something, the end of something. But there's always balance. The death of something also means that you let go of something and then you let come something else. So there's that cycle of, of death and life, death and life. And one of the things that we do as adults and this is, you know, a very difficult one, I think, but it's definitely doable. And, and when we, we put the work into it that needs to be done, it's so worth it. It's about forgiveness and peace. Because sometimes, for example, you know, a relationship with someone, something perhaps has happened between the two of you. And you need to be able to, to honor and let go. Uh, but at the same time, you need to be able to really let go to be able to forgive so that you can come into a place of peace and so can that person in that relationship with you. And so the way uh, that translates into the work, the grandfather teaching around all of that is actually developing some wisdom. And so how that translates into the work is to operate from a place where everyone is a teacher and a student. So I am both a teacher and a student. You are both a student and a teacher, and we learn from one another. And, you know, I, I, when I've uh, hosted uh, some big HR forums, for example, in the past, 
one of the ways we often started our meeting is we would ask people how long they've been with our organization. And uh, we'd have people, you know, stand up. And by the end, there were so many people standing up. And, it, and basically, we would come up to kind of a, a number, you know, all of our wisdom, all of our experience put together is the equivalent of, you know, 25 years, 10 years, uh, six years, uh, 30 years times a whole bunch of people in the room. And so when we are in the workplace, we don't assume that we have all the answers and that it's uh, all up to us is we are actually all students and teachers. And it's also about talking about uh, succession planning. So you won't be there forever. Uh, and some members of your team will always be there forever. And so in your wisdom, you're making sure that you're transferring that knowledge into the workplace so that it can continue because it's not about you, <laughs> right? When you're a leader, it's about the people. That's the grandfather teaching in, in the West. So we've got humility in the East. We've got courage in the South. We've got wisdom in the West. And now we turn to the North. And the North, um, the grandfather teaching there is about honesty. So the North is a place where in our life, remember, the East was we are children, we're being born, our inner fire. Then the South was youth. Then the West was adulthood. So now the North is a place of our elders. It's the place, for example, with Indigenous people of the pipe carriers, of the lodge keepers, and so these people have already gone through the cycle of accumulating a lot of wisdom. And so the North is actually, it's, it's like winter. It's a time for rest. It's a time to slow down. It's a time to pause, to observe, and to reflect. So this is really um, a thinking kind of place. You could be reflecting back on your life. You could be deepening some of the teachings, some of the lessons that you've learned, um, working on those relationships that have been challenging. And so how does that translate into the workplace? So it's actually walking the talk, right? So honesty, sometimes it's a lot easier to talk about something and we've got ambitious goals and they're oh, super, super worthy goals and, and, and they're, they're needed but we don't always walk the talk. So when we're spiritual in our workplace, when we're taking that approach of honesty, uh, it means that we actually take ownership of mistakes. And it also means that, again, we're putting ourselves in a vulnerable position. You know, we're being honest. We need to involve some of our team members because we don't have all the answers. And so uh, honesty is... Again, it, it's a place of making yourself vulnerable, but it's talking truth as well. Some people sometimes in some um, teachings uh, and talking about the grandfather teachings, some people will, will alternate the words uh, honesty and truth. And so that's the north. So we had the four directions, and then we're going to go up above, so below. So as above, think about the sun. Uh, and so uh, we refer to the sun as father that direction the lesson is about respect because we often think about it you know traditionally a lot of cultures we, we look up to our father right and so that notion of respect and in the workplace it means for example 
know, out of respect for others, we are very aware of the language we're using. We, uh, we don't put people down. We know that that hard, tough language, we soften that um, because it's about the people. We're also inclusive uh, and connected with the people we work with. We take that extra time at the beginning of the day to kind of check in and see what's going on. Or if we've got a feeling something's not right, something's going on for somebody, but we're not sure, we actually very gently and lovingly make that connection uh, so that that person uh, isn't put off to the side. They're not forgotten, especially with the pandemic right now and everyone working from, from home, right? A lot of people are working from home, not all but a lot, uh, especially in government, we don't want people to fall off to the side. Um, also, there's, as a leader, the hurt of one is the hurt of all. What that means is if someone's struggling, it's up to us as a team to come and support that person uh, because we are connected to that person. We have a relationship with that person. And so as above was respect. So below, mother, so mother earth. And uh, the grandfather teaching about below is generosity. So if you think about mother nature, you know, she's put up with us <laughs> through so much. And nature is so abundant. And so the way that abundance can actually translate into the workplace is um, being a coach. You know, you have someone new in your team, you take them in under your, your wing, perhaps, or it's somebody who's maybe rising in the ranks or somebody who wants to know about more about your specialty, they want to move laterally, and it's about mentoring as well. And so uh, generosity is another of the grandfather teachings. So if you've been counting, we've done six of them. The seventh one is, uh, remember, you're in the center, right? And so it's the self. And the grandfather teaching about the center is love. And that grandfather teaching cannot exist without the other ones. It's weaved into all of them. And so a return to love in the workplace, definitely, I really feel that's where we're at right now. And so when you're looking at yourself, you're in the center. It's really our journey as spirits in the physical world, and it translates into the workplace as compassion, um, support for the self, self-care as well, and support for others. And so that's the seven grandfather teachings in a nutshell. Each one of them actually has seven sub-teachings, which have sub-teachings of their own. It takes, you know, lifetimes to learn all of this. Uh, but they're definitely, you know, transferable into the workplace. Oh, I love that, Natalie. You did such a great job to encapsulate all of them and, and explain, you know, what, how can we do it in practical terms, right? Because sometimes we learn about concepts or whatnot, and we're not really sure how to apply them. So thank you for uh, sharing that. And I know that the first time you mentioned the grandfather teachings or the, the seven sacred teachings to me, it was like a light bulb went off. I, I had a major aha moment. I don't know if you remember, but I, I kind of sat there and I'm like, 
this is what the workplace needs, right? Because we were talking about engagement and, you know, and, and, and a lot, there's a lot of toxicity and uh, morale issues in the workplaces, not only in the government, but beyond in all kinds of organizations and all kinds of sectors. And when I heard you speak about these teachings, it, it struck a real chord with me. And it's like, you know, this is what we need. This is what we need to practice as leaders in organizations. And do we ever have a lot to learn from Indigenous teachings? So thank you for sharing that with us. And this brings us to the next uh, question. And that's, there, there's a lot of talk about leadership and there's a lot of talk about humility. And sometimes people have a hard time, in, in certainly as Indigenous leaders, when, when we were working uh, with groups where we're struggling with this, also in other, from other cultures, right, where modesty is important to value and, and all that. So how, how can you be a leader and have humility at the same time? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really, really good one. And uh, I think a lot of people struggle with it, particularly in some cultures where the concept of I can be seen as being the opposite of humility. It could be uh, seen as showing off or kind of like marketing yourself. Um, so um, we really, really, really struggle with it. But even before I started to walk that red road, I always was kind of conflicted about it. So ser servant leadership, servant leadership. It is a concept that is not only indigenous, it's a concept that was actually used in the government quite a few years back and beyond the government. You know, it was used in, in different organizations and non-for-profit. And um, so the concept behind servant leadership, this is very indigenous, but it could very easily um, be connected to many, you know, religions and cultures and ways of, being, of seeing the world. So leadership isn't about advancing yourself. Leadership is about advancing your people. Here's a trick. <laughs> Here's a caveat. So if you are not getting yourself out there, so if, for example, you have opportunities to be promoted, but you're not seizing those opportunities, how are you going to be able to advance your people? There are different ways to advance people. There are different ways to do that. Uh, but somebody has to step up. If you're going to influence, if you're going to make uh, conditions better, you have to step up. And so this isn't just about, you know, Indigenous representation. This is about, for example, if you're a very heart-centered leader, Somebody needs to step up uh, for both the concept and the way of being a heart-centered leader, but also as somebody who's kind of representing, you know, all of the colleagues and the people that you know that operate in this way. And so it's about people. And, you know, Lisa, often you talk about leadership is from the inside out, right? And so this connects to that. Mm -hmm. Love it. Also, Natalie and I, we both get imposter syndrome, really bad cases of it. Uh, that's where we're, uh, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and, and we're both in, in our journey where we're being challenged to deal with it or transcend it. And certainly by bringing ourselves back to purpose and why we're doing things and we do it because we love people and we want to bring compassion to the workplace and all that stuff. It gives us the courage uh, to come through those, those periods where we just want to go hide under a tree and, uh, <laughs> 
And, and so I, I think you touched on it. The piece about humility is being able to, as you showed me, you know, find your big Buffalo voice, right? Find your voice. Also to be able to step up if you feel called to, right? So if it's your passion and you feel called to do it, it's to step up and, you know, deal with the, with the fear as well. And, uh, and, and just let your light shine because people are, are seeking that, especially nowadays, right? It's so needed. So if you're a heart-centered, people-centered leader who wants to talk about compassion and needs to be able to uh, spread that kind of work practice and messages, it's, you know, really open up, understand that actually to be a leader is to practice humility, you know, have the courage to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and be in awe of of the calling and of, of the opportunity to help others, to make the world a better place. I love Natalie how you explain that we're all connected, you know, going back and uh and and it's such a gift to have you share with us and bring us all back and remember, help us remember, you know, what we're really all about, which is what I love about indigenous teachings. Yeah, we're all walking each other home, right? I think Rumi, that's a Rumi quote, but we really are. We all learn and uh we all teach. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. We're also going to do, and just going to finish with a song. But before you do the song, Natalie, I want to formally thank you so much from all of us. It was so beautiful and is so inspiring. And just the way you explained it makes so much sense. And, you know, I, I certainly feel more connected and inspired. And now, Natalie, from the bottom of my heart, thank you again. Thank you from all of us. And if you could uh, close out with a song, that would be such a gift. Uh, miigwech, miigwech. Miigwech. Lisa, for, uh, for inviting me, for reaching out. Um, you know, I'm never far away. <laughs> yes. I know where That's you awesome. live. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, yeah, so this song is called Heartbeat Song. It's in uh, Lakota, Tuscarora. And um, an elder that's dear to my heart, uh, it's his uh, cousin uh, that wrote this, Pura Fay. Some of you may have heard of her. Uh, she was with Robbie Robertson back in the uh, 80s, I think. And so this is uh, called Makchi, Heartbeat Song. And so uh, this reminds us that we're all connected to that one heartbeat. We all have hearts that beat. Know that as we each go in our own directions, that connection remains there and is always there for you. So Makchi. Machi tampura pigiri, machi tampoe conspewa ebi, machi tampura pigiri, machi tampoe conspewa ebi, makiwa, ukai mung, taon tai, kai tai, gimewe tai, Machi 
Miigwech, my heart sister, and thank you so much. Thank you. Miigwech to thank you. Thank you. To thank you. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. A big thank you to our Little Talk listeners for tuning into today's show. Please share with friends and colleagues who care about leadership and what is happening in our workplaces. If you'd like to keep this conversation going, please go to lightyourleadership.com to book a discovery call. While you're there, be sure to grab your copy of Light a Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership. We wish you an excellent rest of the week. And until next time, remember to light your leadership because building authentic business relationships will help you to love your life as a leader.